0: Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually consciously living today. Here's your host, Yoga Charya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our opportunity to explore yoga uh, in its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living. I'm your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, and today we are we have the delight and uh, honor of a conversation with Sheikh Kabir Helminski, and we're going to be exploring our spiritual intelligence, how we can develop it, um, why it's needed and what a difference it can make. Um, in our lives and in our world, to have this relationship with that universal intelligence which, which is guiding and supporting our lives in all ways. Uh, Sheikh Kabir Helminski is a uh, Sheikh in the Meblevi order of Sufism, which traces back to Jalaluddin Rumi. He's an internationally known speaker and author of several books on Sufism and Rumi his latest book is holistic islam which i'm sure you can find at his website and also at amazon um, and he has translated several books of sufi literature including his well-regarded translations of rumi in 2009 kabir was named as one of the 500 most influential muslims in the world he and his wife Camille Adams Helminski are the co-founders and co-directors of the Threshold Society. Their website is Sufism.org. That's Sufism.org. Um, welcome back to the Yoga Hour, Kabir. Um, I'm so delighted to be able to have this conversation with you today.
1: Thank you so much, Ellen. It's great to be in conversation with you.
0: And I'm looking forward to being with you soon. If you're listening in real time, uh, Kabir and I are both going to be at the Science and Non-Duality Conference coming up in San Jose, California in October. Um, Kabir, before we dive into our conversation about spiritual intelligence, which is your topic for the conference, um, let's just take a moment to center ourselves in a meditation. With a good breath in and a breath out In this moment, let us open our hearts and our minds to the infinite to divine omnipresence, to that one reality called by many names that is the source, the support, and the substance of all that is right where we are right now. This divine reality is present around us, within us, through us. So in this moment, let us simply move our attention from the periphery of our awareness into the depths just with the breath breathing in drawing attention and awareness within breathing out relaxing surrendering to this present moment letting go into it just noticing breathing in breathing out the blessing of this moment, cool air entering the nostrils, warmer air flowing out again. How beautiful is this day? How beautiful the reality of God that is our life. How beautiful this opportunity to be awake, aware, alive, to touch within us that infinite, divine reality, pure existence being, unmoving, unchanging, birthless, deathless, expressing as all that is. As we pause in this moment and we touch the peace within us, the peace of the divine, let's call that peace into our mental field and know that the mind is illumined by that divine light within us. Call that peace into our emotional nature, into the physical body, and take a moment to simply share that peace through our intention with all beings everywhere. Peace, peace, peace. I'm so grateful, Sheikh Kabir, that you are with me today on the Yoga Hour. Uh, I'm sitting here at my desk with a stack of your books, which I thoroughly uh, love, enjoy, and am inspired by. I read them frequently. Um, Of course, there's a classic that I, I keep really nearby, which is The Knowing Heart. A Sufi Path of Transformation. It is one of my favorite books of all time, Mm. which I highly, highly recommend. And uh, I also am sitting here with this beautiful, um, the Rumi Collection, uh, which you edited some poems of Rumi and also the Rumi Day Book. Um, And there are many other books I know that you have done. Um, But I want to let you know that they are um, companions of mine. Uh, on a very frequent basis, so I hope our listeners will um, become aware of the rich um, the richness that you have given us through these books and um, take advantage of that. Um, we're going to be talking about um, intellect today, and many of the poems of Rumi that you've translated touch upon that. Is there one that you could think of that you'd like to share with us or just any roomy poem at all um, we'd be happy to start out with
1: Uh, let's see Um, you know I'll recite one from from memory Uh, and it goes like this love is reckless not reason reason seeks a profit but love comes on strong consuming herself unabashed yet in the midst of suffering love is hard surfaced and straightforward like a millstone without cause god gave us being Without cause, give it back again. Gambling yourself away is beyond any religion. Religion seeks grace and favor. But those who gamble these away are God's favorites, for they neither p- put God to the test nor knock at the door of gain and loss. So this reminds us that love is the final criteria and that what he refers to as reason in this case is our calculating strategizing egoistic reason which often gets mixed up with religion but the religion of love is something else (laughs) it's not the religion of fear it's not the religion of human calculation of praise or blame, of gain or loss, but it's it's beyond all of that, and that's where ultimately this uh, spiritual intelligence might might lead us. And in a way, I haven't. We have nothing new to say today. I'm sure this is all going to be very familiar to you and and uh, your listeners. But it's a way of uh, sort of putting a new frame around certain traditional ideas um, to help us see these things afresh.
0: I want to thank you for that beautiful poem. And um, I understand you saying that in a sense, there's nothing new, um, but I also would argue and say that the, this conversation, if we can be pointing to love with a capital L, is actually ever new. <laughs> so, and so we have that paradox uh, to to deal with a, a little bit. And um, so I thought it was, of course, very interesting that as we're uh, diving into this conversation about spiritual intelligence that you would read a poem about love, mm. um, which of course is perfect, but I'd like for you uh, to say some more about that if um, you think that's a good question. Uh. Hmm.
1: Of course, it's a good question. Uh, It's the the only question. It's it's the greatest question. Uh, Maybe to frame it a little bit, let's let's look at it this way. Uh, People say, well, what do you mean by love? You know, love means different things to different people. To some, it's desire or even lust. To others, it's possession, attachment. Um, And... One way to answer this question of what is love is to say, as Rumi said, every time I try to uh, write about love, the tip of my pen breaks. Every time I try to speak about love, I feel like a donkey's, you know, losing uh, my my, uh, feet on a muddy trail. Um, So if Rumi could say that, (laughs) who is one of the greatest exponents of love, uh, that's awesome. He says that finally only love can explain itself mm-hmm. and the mystery of love. Now, why is this? In order to explain something, you need something more comprehensive, more subtle, uh, with which to explain it. Explain it. Something, yes, of a greater context, of a, of a wider dimension, but. Love. If love is in fact the final explanation of everything, it cannot be explained. It is finally the explanation of all of our lives, our experience, everything we long for, everything we struggle for. So it is our source, it is our road, and it is our destination. Mm. It is the most comprehensive reality. And within that, we're trying to work out the details. You know, as how how to uh, how to grow in our capacity for love, and in order to grow in our capacity for love, a certain knowledge of love is needed. So, love also requires knowledge. It's not just some, uh, you know, abstract cosmic oneness. It has its appropriate knowledge. It's its own metaphysics, you might say. Uh, that we would do well to understand. So Rumi is also about the knowledge of love, not just the ecstasy of love, but uh, how, how do we uh, know what is truly worthy of our love, for instance, one simple example.
0: And would you say then that the development of our spiritual intelligence, our, our spiritual IQ, it is the way in which we... Um, can learn about love
1: yes Um, what we mean by spiritual intelligence is to perceive and understand the circumstances of life from the highest spiritual reality spiritual intelligence is to perceive and understand our life from the highest spiritual reality and just to kind of give a little map here just to make it really clear there are other kinds of intelligence you have rational intelligence which is a good thing to have it's the ability to think clearly to make distinctions to define our terms and you have emotional intelligence which seems like it was only discovered A decade or two ago, (laughs) books are written about it. Until then, nobody thought about it. But emotional intelligence is to be able to read others' emotions and to master your own and to perceive emotional nuance. So that began to be recognized, I mean, explicitly, relatively recently. And then you have intuitive intelligence, which is to receive extrasensory knowledge either through sensation in the body or through mental imagery or your inner voice, clear audience, that's intuitive intelligence. But spiritual intelligence uh, is, that, is what we need to understand the purpose of life in order to live the best possible life and in order to be in harmony with, with the truth, with the highest reality. So the purpose of life from the spiritual perspective is to know the true proportions of divine intelligence, generosity, and beauty.
0: In the, in the, that's a beautiful, comprehensive view of the different forms of intelligence that we have. Um, and in, in on the path of yoga of Kriya Yoga, we we would say that there is a discernment that comes uh, when the intellect or the faculty of discernment is illumined by the self, by the soul, by divine reality. And I think that's the closest equivalent I could think of to understand what you're saying, that um, in a sense it's when the mind is um, illumined, when it's purified of the constricting influence of the ego self yeah. um, so is that is that consistent with how you're seeing this Ab-
1: absolutely and I would expand on it a little bit by saying that the greatest masters saints and prophets of humankind were beings whose intelligence was illumined as you say by a universal intelligence Mm-hmm. And they became, in sense, they became more than their individual personalities. They became an embodiment of that universal intelligence and demonstrated by their lives, by their wisdom, uh, how to live as a fully human being, how to live in harmony with that greater reality. So a Buddha, Jesus, Mohammed, uh, and other masters... That we might refer to um, were embodiments of that universal intelligence and showed a truly human way to be.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, if I'm correct in, in thinking this, and on the path of Sufism, it seems that this. Um, this way of developing our divine potential in a sense is a path of becoming fully human. <laughs> in, in other words, that you know we speak about the masters having uh, illumined mind, which allowed for this sense of connection um, and really embodiment of the universal. But that way, um, is the way for all of us. (laughs) That, that is the, that is the, in the, what they, how I see their lives is, is really as an invitation for us to understand. They're like a light, you know, shining in our world to say, you know, this is the truth of what you are, and this is your path, your way of becoming, Uh, And um, so that draws me back to a question I wanted to ask you in the beginning, um, which is what drew you to the path of Sufism?
1: Well, it was meeting certain human beings (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, who I had over time in my own search, I had met masters of attention, masters of will, masters of knowledge. Um, but when I met what I might call a master of love, mm. everything changed. It was like the real gold compared to silver and bronze, etc. Mm-hmm. So it was an experience of, of recognition that there was something uh, possible for a human being to be illumined and at the same time to be uh, the kind of person you'd like to sit down and have a cup of tea with. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Especially (laughs) the kind of person you want to sit down and have a cup of tea with. So it was
1: seeing this humanness fulfilled Um, and also I was fortunate enough to have uh, back in the 80s to have met in in Turkey, mostly, uh, certain elders, both men and women, who were like the last uh, closing chapter of the Ottoman period of spirituality, that is, before the roughly 19, in Turkey, 1926, I think, uh, secular revolution, and when uh, a culture was traumatized, and... Good things came out of it, but also uh, a way of life that had uh, a beautiful way of life uh, had been lived by Sufis in their Sufi lodges. So I met people who were of that period uh, during the last years of their life, and I glimpsed a beautiful quality, a refinement of relationship, a refinement of, of, of manners, of spiritual courtesy, of hospitality. Uh, which has not exactly disappeared, but there these were extraordinary examples of that and to me that was such an embodiment of this uh, Truth and this this love that the love itself was radiating so powerfully that it just m- melted us really
0: uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah um, Thank you for describing that you know, so beautifully and it was obviously in your life a transforming love that you followed because of um, the way in which it you know uh, unfolded as the work that you and your wife Camille do in the world through the threshold society and also through um, you know the wisdom that has poured out in your books And so it seems to me that this is kind of the way it works. In other words, it's love itself that calls us to the path, whatever that uh, mystical path is that we find. You know, for me, uh, it was Kriya Yoga, for you, Sufism. But there is a love itself that calls us, and then due to some grace, it happens. And uh, then we... um, If we're fortunate, you know, we follow that and it is a path then of uh, development for us, Um, a way to become more fully human and divine all at the same time. So, you know, part of the conversation, you know, uh, as we get ready to uh, participate in this uh, science and non-duality conference, of course, is this whole thing of non-duality. And uh, when we speak of love, that one that we can't really describe, it, the crux of that, of course, is is non-duality. Um, So could you talk for just uh, a moment, uh, as we really have just a couple minutes before the break, about that non-duality that we can't talk about? Could you talk about that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, I think there is a way to talk about non-duality that is quite simple and resolves a lot of issues. And it's something like this, that every beautiful quality that a human being has Consider our consciousness, our capacity for love, our capacity for generosity, for courage, etc. All of these beautiful qualities are sourced in the divine. They are not something that we uh, possess, except insofar as we've actualized them in ourselves. But they are sourced in the divine, as is our very identity, ultimately. Even our individualized identity is nevertheless sourced in the divine and at our best, the human being can become a reflector of divine qualities. So in the nature of reality, you have a source, uh, a God, uh, an absolute that is uh, has these qualities. we call them the 99 names or 99 million mm-hmm. names of God. Mm-hmm. And these are reflected through the human being, but they're all sourced in the one. So mm-hmm. this, this is a way of, I think, reconciling mm-hmm. that. That's the non-duality of it. In mm-hmm. other words, as a reflector, I can only reflect the divine at my best, or I can reflect egoism mm-hmm. if free will chooses to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, That's a beautiful uh, explanation and thank you for that. We're just about to head into the break and uh, when we get back, more about um, spiritual intelligence and how it is that this uh, love that we are really uh, unfolds with us, through us and shines its light into the world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with guest Sheikh Kabir Helminski. And uh, we will be right back with you. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages this is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back to The Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien and. We're in conversation today with international speaker, author, and translator of Rumi, Sheikh Kabir Helminski. Kabir and his wife, Camille Adams Helminski, are the directors and co-founders of the Threshold Society. You can find out more about their work at Sufism.org. Org. and you can also, uh, if you're listening uh, in real time, in October 2019, uh, both Kabir and I are going to be speaking at the upcoming Science and Non-Duality Conference in San Jose, California. You can find out about that online. Science. And non-duality, um, Kabir. We were talking about non-duality <laughs> um, before the break, and um, you you were offering just a beautiful paradigm about how you know we can understand it more simply as understanding that it's the source of our being and the source of the divine qualities that are that we can express love compassion and so on is is all there is that's where we get it um and so we understand that um way of looking at non-duality is there more that you could say about that
1: there's a beautiful explanation of this that comes from the great Ibn Arabi who is mm. also a major figure in sufism and uh almost a contemporary of Rumi he was uh, born in Andalusia and um, but traveled and eventually passed away in Damascus, where he's buried now. So he once said, he said this in summary of the spiritual journey and of his coming to illumination or enlightenment or the intimacy with God. He said this, my journey was entirely within myself. And... When I came to the presence of my Lord, I saw that I was nothing but servanthood without a trace of sovereignty. Mm. When I came into the intimate presence of my Lord, as close as human consciousness can be to God, I, quote, unquote, (laughs) saw that I, quote, unquote, was nothing but servanthood without a trace of sovereignty. So what a beautiful you know description of something that that one could be maintain that polarity of self and Lord and but in that intimate state, that intimate awareness, when you get as close as you can possibly be, you see that you are nothing and mm. he, she is everything.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. So,
1: uh, I like that <laughs> explanation.
0: I, I like it very much as well, and um, it, it really, you know, in a very mundane way, it's a, it's a formula for a stress-free life. <laughs> <laughs> mm, <yes. laughs> so much of our stress and our unhappiness, you know, comes from this idea of agency, you know, that we're in charge of what we're doing, we're in charge of the results, which, you know, um, we're always striving for. And um, one of the things I quoted uh, f- from you uh, fairly recently, I think it's in your um the Knowing Heart book you wrote. Um, when we stop complaining, we'll be in paradise. Right, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. that uh, and is that should
1: be one maxim of spiritual intelligence.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. It's really a, a simple one, a simple practice that. Uh, you know, it, it sounds funny and, of course, it's very simple, but, um, you know, if we start to practice it, we can see, at least for me, I can see, you know, how much um, the ego self is inclined, you know, to complain and to want yes. things otherwise, and uh, y- you know, that's all about the idea of agency. You know, in which we we feel that you know we're we're in charge.
1: Yes, and if you reflect on it, uh, from the point of view of spiritual intelligence, complaining is not very intelligent. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And so we live in a world today that is not very intelligent. (laughs)
1: Well, yes, to put it
0: mildly. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, that's a serious thing, though. Even as I as I laugh about it, Um, and and so this um, way of developing spiritual intelligence, um, which you know is obvious to me and i'm sure to you and our listeners that that we need to do so i guess the big question comes you know how do we do that how do mm. we develop our spiritual intelligence um, and, yes. you know, and what difference does it make you know as we do
1: makes all the difference
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and you know i've been working on this question because uh, it's important to be practical and not just to As much and as beautiful as it is to formulate these metaphysical principles and to understand them it's also really important for ourselves and others to be able to express them in in practical ways so I actually have a sort of simple list of some um, practical aspects of developing spiritual intelligence would shall we go through a few of those
0: Oh, that would be so refreshing. That would be really, really great because we we need that. And, you know, I think we all feel that yearning towards the love in the highest way and uh, towards illumination, but even talking about it, it, it just feels so vague and subtle. So please give us some practical medicine for practical, this.
1: Yes. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to start with this uh, assertion, humility is the foremost act of worship. Humility is the foremost act of worship. Know that you have nothing to lose by being humble and nothing to gain from self-importance. So if we begin with humility, and by humility we don't mean having a low opinion of yourself. We just mean a kind of uh, uh, feeling no need to impress feeling no need to uh, underline your, uh, your qualities. Um, uh, it's said in our tradition, someone who praises himself displays his deficiency of intellect. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is absolutely true. Um, you know, I think in some ways, uh, humility uh, can be thought of as a radical way of of being exactly what we are. Mm-hmm. and it's not um, you know people often think of it as a low state, and we could certainly say that, but also it is um, the highest state because in a way it is being empty of ego self in which the divine can then be more fully present uh, yes. through us. Yes. yeah
1: exactly. so it's It's also an awareness of our need for the divine.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Yeah, so that could be our whole conversation in in terms of how we develop humility. And perhaps we don't even develop it um, because the more we try, the worse it gets. So (laughs) what would you say about that?
1: Well, we go to another principle, which is be an objective witness not a biased reactive observer
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and um, so you know the god is looking for objective witnesses in this world the one whose testimony can be trusted in the cord of divine truth and so if we're always distorting things based on our own um, you know self-importance our own uh, desires we're not an objective witness And we're not seeing ourselves, we're not seeing anything as it truly is, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, in yoga, we talk about that as non-attachment to views. (laughs) You know, we have to realize, of course, that we have a view, Um, that's sort of um, difficult not to have a view. Um, But if we can recognize that it is just a view (laughs) um, and not be attached to it, then I think we can be moving in the direction of being an objective witness. Yes,
1: yes, good. Yeah, so having a perspective on what we see and Mm. not being overly identified with it. Okay, another principle, very important principle that I think will also... All of these principles support each other, by the way. Mm -hmm. So the next one is remember your death.
0: Oh, yes. (laughs) So
1: lessen your attachment to false values.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Beautiful. Um, Beautiful. I just came across um, a reminder from the old... um, carlos castaneda books where he has a line in there where um the the shaman says you know if you're if you're looking for wisdom imagine your death uh on your left side and uh turn to your death and ask you know inquire about the choice you're about to make Mm -hmm. and um you know what uh What is the right choice? And uh, you can consult in that way. And I thought that was such a powerful practice.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that really, that adds another aspect to it. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. These are universal principles, and we have reflections of them across traditions. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the next one is, solve your problems with love. Mm. When faced with a problem, ask whether love might be part of the solution
0: mm-hmm. mm.
1: and because we try lots of other things you know have you ever tried anger for instance mm-hmm. to solve your problems or mm-hmm. you know
0: or righteousness righteousness that's my favorite yeah. Yeah. being right <laughs> which has a terrible price all the time but you know i i notice that sort of default of just clinging to I think I'm right about this, Um, (laughs) which (laughs) doesn't really bring anything but pain, so um, solving our problems with love, and it seems to me when I've done that, it's simply a way of creating a space outside of that ego-driven motivation, you know, to be right or to be attached to my view and so on. Um, I don't really know how to solve a problem with love, but I know that love knows. And so for me, um, that practice is more like just inquiring what what love might bring, you know, what, what love could bring to that situation. So
1: it's asking a, the question, Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's so. the that way I know how to do it. Is there and, another way?
1: Well, it's no, you're being realistic, and that's good. I think we should be realistic that we are not necessarily beings of unconditional love all the time, or maybe not even very often. Mm-hmm. So at least to stop and ask that question. and But we may find within ourselves more love than we realized. Mm-hmm. And we may find that love is a power just waiting to be called on
0: hmm. Yes, I love that. <laughs> I believe that. It, yeah. And that is kind of mm, that corresponds with my experience of being in that place of not knowing, you know, you have a problem. Problems are difficult. And so if you can ask the question, you know, what would love bring to this situation? Yeah. Um, I like the idea and the well, really, the knowing that love is there as a power that will reveal itself, given the right environment for it to come forth. And usually the time, you know, the the space. (laughs) We have to create the space and the time for it to reveal itself.
1: And there's a, a background to this, a metaphysical context, which is that love created us, you could say, in order to be known. That the, the reason for the creation of the worlds, the seen and unseen worlds both, is to, for love to be able to reveal itself. So love loves to be known. The whole purpose of life <coughs> is for this love to be known. So everything is working toward that. And mm-hmm. there are obstacles and sometimes and, and painful challenges uh, and uh, catastrophes. And but it's in this total context of life, from, you know, in all of its aspects, that love is most completely known, mm-hmm. it comes, comes that the unconditioned world comes into the world of conditions mm-hmm. and limitations. And that love, and here's the most amazing thing, love can even love the unlovable,
0: mm-hmm. yes, because its nature is non-exclusive. Yeah, that is so beautiful. What a beautiful reminder. Um, And just, I, I want to just underscore, you know, what you've said about love wanting to be known. And so it's not that... So much we have to work to try and find love. Love is looking for us all the time and looking for that opening uh, in our own hearts and our minds to reveal itself. That's a beautiful way to be reminded. Is there more on your practical list?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's,
0: there's more. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Thank you.
1: Um, all right. I, the next one is going to be Trust. Cultivate trust in the divine by assuming that whatever happens is for your benefit. So cultivate trust. And of course, this is um, a level of realization that one grows into. It's only by trusting that we learn to trust. It's only by realizing that reality is not some arbitrary, accidental, dangerous situation, but that although there are experiences of grief and loss and pain and suffering, as well as experiences of mercy and and love and joy, that within every situation there is a channel back to the divine to the divine mercy to the divine compassion and love in every situation that that channel that portal back to the very divine nature of reality exists for us to discover and this is the mercy of, of existence it's not that we don't we we will, can be protected from suffering but there is always a path back to that divine reality which then gives our suffering and our loss an entirely different context uh, it's no longer the suffering itself is no longer the context overwhelming us but we see that no despite this there is divine love and nurturance and, and support so trust again trust is intelligent it's not wishful thinking trust is a uh, Trust is a measure of our perception of reality Because if we were to truly know the nature of reality Which is beneficent and merciful and and nurturing Then we would realize that trust is the intelligent uh, posture, shall we say Trust Mm -hmm. is the intelligent disposition As opposed to mistrust, um, cynicism, uh, paranoia, fear, all of those
0: things which is all indicative of not, well, it's indicative of a lot of things, a lack of surrender, uh, humility, <laughs> um, but also it's indicative of not seeing the bigger picture. So yes, that's it that's... makes perfect sense that trust uh, would, would um, connect to our spiritual Intelligence is trusting something greater at work in our lives, even in times when we cannot see it.
1: Yes, yes. And there's um, there's a teaching in Sufism, and I'm sure you can adopt it. Any anybody can adopt it. It's simply this: in all that you do, seek the protection of God. Uh-huh. In all that you do, seek the protection of God. So this becomes a a relationship, a continual relationship. And you could say, oh my God, you know, when you're moving into... Prophet Muhammad used to say when he would come to a a new place, a new town, and he would say, uh, oh my Lord, uh, protect me from whatever harm there may be here, and do not deprive me of the benefit of what may be here. Mm -hmm. So there was an acknowledgement that in every situation, there's possibility of some harm, but also the possibility of of goodness. So you call upon your sustainer, your you call upon that divine reality to say, you know, to intentionally to say, uh, I ask your protection.
0: Mm.
1: Who else? Who else am I going to ask?
0: Mm. No one. And it seems to me that that practice is also. One of simply heightening our awareness (laughs) of living in that reality. Um, You know, instead of being uh, wanderers, you know, on our own, to know that uh, we are dwelling in that presence. um, That's a beautiful way to remind ourselves of it. And you know, to begin in that name and in that power um, of love. Yes.
1: Yes. And you know, I think the hardest thing to attain, perhaps, is sincerity, oh. and that, and yet we have to work, work toward it, and we have a relationship with God. Are we going to uh, be true to that relationship? Are we going to trust that relationship? Or are we going to hedge our bets? Are we going to, you know, uh, sort of calculate and, uh, you know, play games with God, bargain with God? Or are we going to be that sincere uh, lover of God that absolutely places all our reliance, all our trust, and all our gratitude in this divine reality. I, this is a huge, uh, this is something big. And yet this is, the, I think, the direction of, uh, that we want to go in and that we must go in. And humanity, by the way, humanity at this point, we're so far from it, but what, considering what we're facing right now, my dear Ellen, and everybody who's listening to this, uh, humanity needs a spiritual uh, reorientation to face uh. what we're facing now. And to really ask the help of the divine in ref- helping the divine, not to come in with some supernatural solution, but with the solution to our egoism. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes, it is the only way. (laughs) It is the only way in which we are going to be able to um, foster uh, life (laughs) uh, on this planet. to foster uh, love and peace um, because we don't know how to do it um, from the ego mind. Um, and we do need love to show us uh, the way. But um, back to our focus, in order to have love show us the way, I, I would agree with you um, that we need spiritual intelligence, you know, and all these points that you have given us are, are, are beautiful reflections on how we can begin to cultivate that um, spiritual intelligence and um you know i uh, we're going to close in, in in just a moment here and um I, I just want to say i i couldn't agree more about sincerity and um in some ways it it is very paradoxical because if we live that sincerity in terms of our relationship with the infinite most of the time it seems to me we have to say i don't know <laughs> Um, Mm. uh, so that that is a it's a little bit of a paradox for how how we live um but it is the openness i think that we need i i want to leave them Uh, last word for you Kabir before we um, move to our our closing um, words about the program and what's coming next so um, anything you'd like to say about spiritual intelligence about love um, please uh, just one minute here or 30 seconds probably now (laughs) well
1: finally that what we mean by spiritual intelligence cannot be separated <clears throat> from moral intelligence, from values, from virtue. That it is intelligent to be moral. It is intelligent t- to seek the divine reality. It is It is intelligent to trust that divine reality. And that that will uh, reduce our arrogance, our inflation, our negativity... And allow us to live a more beautiful and and happier life. So it's intelligent.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is a beautiful. It is the
1: highest intelligence. The highest intelligence. It is the best way to the highest truth.
0: Thank you so much, Kabir. Um, it's just always a delight to have an opportunity to speak with you. And I look forward to seeing you um, in San Jose. Uh, thank you for coming on to the Yoga Hour. You've been listening to the Yoga Hour and um, the delightful conversation on developing our spiritual intelligence with Sheikh Kabir Helminski, um, international known internationally known teacher, author, and uh, a co-founder with his wife, Camille Adam Selminski of the Threshold Society. Their website is Sufism.org. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien. You can find out more about uh, my work at EllenGraceO'Brien.com and about the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment at CSECenter.org.